Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Katie Martin. ISIS is returning to its insurgent roots, having been driven out of almost all the territory it once controlled in Iraq and Syria. Four years after ISIS controlled as much as a third of Iraq and declared a caliphate, it has retrenched but has still the power to carry out kidnappings, killings and bombings. Chloe Cornish talks to Andrew England about the continuing threat posed by the group to stability in the region. In 2014, ISIS launched a blitz across Iraq and Syria, and at one point I think they controlled about a third of Iraq and major cities in both countries. What's been happening in the last couple of years since then? I mean, the caliphate or the self-declared caliphate has been defeated. What has the situation been in terms of how they've been pushed back from their strongholds? Let's take Iraq first. The Iraqi government declared a military victory over ISIS about this time last year, having won back control of major urban areas which ISIS had invaded. That includes the northern city of Mosul, which is actually Iraq's second largest city. So that was a fight that lasted three years. And they've got a number of players involved. There's the fighters from the Iraqi army, which had initially kind of crumbled in 2014, faced with the ISIS insurgency. You have Kurdish fighters from the Kurdistan region. You also had lots of Shia militia groups who had formed pretty much in response to the ISIS threats that was facing Iraq. There was a sort of big, big movement to mobilize additional fighters to protect the country. And a lot of those groups actually have Iranian backing. So all of these groups were working not always very well together, but there was also Western involvement as well in terms of airstrikes on ISIS targets in Iraq. So that's how that fight was playing out. And then in Syria, the situation is actually more complicated because the fight against ISIS is just one part, really, of a much larger civil war. So in Syria, ISIS's territory was concentrated in the northeast of the country and these big cities called Raqqa and Deir Azor, which probably will be familiar to people now. Um, you will have probably seen the photographs of the, just the decimation of those cities under the weight of US-led airstrikes. So in Syria, ISIS has been fighting, on the one hand, Russian-backed pro-regime Syrian forces also with Iranian involvement. And on the other hand, US-backed Syrian rebels. So it's actually been facing kind of both sides of the civil war. And Raqqa and Deir Azor fell from ISIS's control this year amid a much larger push by the Syrian government as well to retake areas in the south of the country. So there was basically a big effort by local and international forces to push them back in both countries. What do we know about what remains in terms of the ISIS fighters, ISIS supporters across those two countries? At one point in August, the US Department of Defense was saying there are about 3,000 ISIS fighters in this pocket in Syria, the last bit of territory that they can control. But it's very important to be cautious about numbers. So I think it's very hard for us to know exactly how many fighters there are left and how many supporters they have across Iraq and Syria. But we do know where ISIS is holed up in Iraq. They've got, we think, bases in the Hamreen Mountains, which are um, a, a very, very stark and austere set of mountains, kind of in the middle of Iraq. 
and they're launching attacks from there. And then they also will have more bases and more positions in northern Iraq as well. And there's continuing worry about sleeper cells of ISIS fighters in other parts of the country as well. You've mentioned that they've been pushed out of the major cities they controlled and the major territory they controlled. How have they adapted the way they're carrying out attacks? Because they do continue to pose a threat, as we've mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. ISIS started as a terrorist insurgency and then gained these huge swathes of territory in this very frightening manner in 2014. And what they've done is returned to the insurgent route that they came from, much smaller terror attacks where you know people just disappear back into the desert rather than trying to hold territory. So that seems to be their strategy now is to continue to destabilize these areas with smaller hit-and-run attacks, but still deadly, unfortunately, for civilians and officials and whoever gets targeted in Iraq. And what impact is that having? I mean, obviously in Iraq, there's huge swathes of the country which they did control, which now has to be rebuilt. They talk about reconstruction, the need to get people who were forced out of their homes back. And these are areas which always felt they were marginalised slightly by Baghdad and with the new government in Baghdad. What impact is it having in terms of Iraq and Iraq's ability to build on the security gains? And then in Syria, where we're seeing that the civil war is winding down as President Bashar Assad's forces have reclaimed control of most of the country. I think it's worth mentioning just how much progress has been made on security in Iraq since ISIS was holding territory. Yes, they are mounting these kinds of attacks, but the Iraqi security forces' constellation of fighters have made big victories and shouldn't take that away. However, in areas where people continually feel threatened by ISIS attacks, that really undermines any kind of official effort to restore stability and a sense of security as well in these places. I think it can't be stressed just how dangerous life can still feel. I think in some of these places it might be better than before, but if ISIS has come into your village and killed the most important person in that village, which is usually the local chief, which is a pattern that analysts have seen them doing, that contributes a lot to a sense of instability. In Syria, this is the area of most active fighting still in Syria to try and expel ISIS from its last pocket of territory. And so you have continual battle casualties there. But in terms of the overall civil war, I suppose the American involvement there is the most important thing because America has said it's in Syria in order to ensure the enduring defeat of ISIS. And so obviously the longer that they have to fight ISIS in Syria, the longer they're going to be there. They've also started to link their presence in Syria to Iranian presence as well. And they want to be there long enough to see Iranian forces and Iranian proxy forces also being expelled from Syria. But the continuing battle against ISIS means America continues to have military presence in Syria as well. How is ISIS surviving today? I mean, at one point when they controlled large areas in Syria and Iraq, you know, they had oil resources, they had smuggling resources, they had customs, they had taxes, etc. How are they surviving today? And does this indicate that perhaps that they still have certain areas where they still have support? What do we know about what's sustaining them? I guess it's important to stress just how wealthy ISIS was at one point. It had opened up bank vaults, it had huge oil revenues, and they invested some of that money into companies, anything from money exchanges to car dealerships. And I think it's pretty hard for the authorities to actually pinpoint which companies they beat in order to either sanction them or stop them from operating. So 
what we understand or believe is that they get revenues from these companies. They also can stop and extort trucks on roads and that kind of thing. So certainly their revenues are much, much diminished. They are a much, much weaker force than they ever were, but they do appear to still have revenue streams coming in. One of the notable things about 2014 was how the Iraqi security forces, which the Americans have spent billions of dollars rebuilding after the invasion in 2003, melted away when they were faced with the threat of ISIS. How equipped are particularly the Iraqi forces, local forces, to continue maintaining the offensive against ISIS and prevent a resurgence? I mean, that would seem to be one of the critical things going forward. Well, I think we'd have to say that the Iraqi forces are stronger than they were before. However, the U.S. Department of Defense Inspector General report, a survey of how the fight against ISIS is going, did highlight the fact that they didn't think the Americans would be able to leave Iraq anytime soon in terms of needing to keep providing support to the Iraqi security forces. One of the things that diplomats stress here as well, which they sometimes feel like they're not being heard back in their home capitals, is that ISIS is not a done thing. It's quite far off being a done thing, in their view. And in that regard, there's going to need to be continuing logistical and probably material support for local forces counteracting ISIS. It's not an easy thing to do. A counterinsurgency is, in some ways, much harder to execute than a ground offensive in a lot of ways. You know, you don't know where they're coming from. It's a difficult thing to do. And certainly the Americans have flagged that the Iraqis are going to need help with it for the foreseeable future, really. Ever since the US invasion in 2003 ousted Saddam Hussein, there have been sectarian issues and problems with Sunni extremism in a country which is now run by the Shia majority. People would say that that's helped fuel the extremism that ISIS has been able to tap into. Do you think that those issues have been tackled, have been dealt with, and how important will that be going forward when the new government in Baghdad looks to rebuild and reconstruct areas that came under ISIS's control? Yeah, I mean, exactly as you say, there's been a real continuity in terms of a long-standing trend towards Sunni extremism amongst some communities in Iraq since 2003 and before it as well. And the government now needs to do whatever it can to restore services and its authority in some of these areas that have been just so badly damaged by the war, but were also neglected before the ISIS insurgency and before people decided to join the ISIS insurgency. So, you know, I would stress that politics and conflict have been very localised in Iraq, but you can see there was a broader trend towards any extremism. I think actually... There has been a swing back, though. I mean, ISIS was just so brutal that polling suggested that a lot of Sunnis actually were less in favour of more hardline version of Islam after people saw what ISIS did. So in some senses, they lost support. But certainly in a country where there have been real kind of weaponization of sectarian identity, this is not a problem that's going to go away without tackling some of the root causes. That was Chloe Cornish, our Middle East correspondent, talking to Middle East editor Andrew England. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com offer. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.